0: you are locked on indians your daily cleveland indians podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everyone and welcome to locked on indians brought to you today by the locked on mlb prospects podcast go check out our buddy arm on that show So we had a wild one. Uh, Angel Hernandez, do we start there? I mean, like sitting there and watching him drop. So if you missed it, like I'm sitting here struggling to even express what happened. Essentially, a ball falls between between, between a pair of Indians outfielders, hits the ground, at which point Angel Hernandez calls that player out. Andrew Benintendi then goes back to second base because the third base coach says, go back, you have to tag up. He ends up getting tagged out. And then they go back, and I didn't even know this is a thing you could do. Uh, They gave Benintendi third. They took the out off the board and gave him third. It's like one thing to take the out off the board and be like, yeah, we," but then then turn around and give him a base. Uh, It's odd. And then he later blew an easy uh, try to, say that Jose Ramirez was out at first when he had a very easy, very uh, quick single. If you're not familiar with Angel Hernandez, uh, he sued baseball for discrimination, whereas anyone who really follows baseball considers him maybe be the worst umpire in all of baseball. So normally I am out there. If you listen to this podcast, you know I am fighting for the little guy. I would be right there if I thought this was a real case of discrimination, I just think he's not very good. And every time I see Angel Hernandez is going to be an umpire in an Indians game, I I just, I roll my eyes and I can't wish for, nope, can't wish for robot umpires sooner. Uh, I don't, I don't care who you are, robot umpires, that's going to be a good thing. Consistent zones, consistent calls. And none of this ridiculousness where it's clear that like Angel Hernandez isn't even watching the game. He's supposed to be umpiring. He is not paying attention to what's going on and calls are getting past him. In spite of that, uh, I mean, the Indians had to overcome that. They had to overcome uh, not having a starter. So Phil Mayton, essentially, you know, the forgotten man in the pen, uh, as we've talked about, started the game. And he goes... I believe an inning and two-thirds. I'm having an issue with my box score populating right now. Before Sam kind come, Henches comes in and pitches the meat part of the game. I, I don't know. So uh, one and one-third of an inning where Maton gives up one run. Uh, Henches pitches three and a third innings. Six hits, two earned runs, two earned runs. He did manage to strike out two, had one home run. Uh, also hit a wild pitch in this one. I thought Justin Lada had a great thing on Twitter where I believe uh, at JL Lada, who I've had multiple times as guests on the show, that with 59 through 59 pitches in those three and one-third innings, he didn't generate one swing and a miss. That is incredible (laughs) that he didn't generate one swing and a miss in this start. That's not good. I mean, that's not just bad. That's like hard to be that bad. It's hard to have your fastball not uh not fool anyone to that degree he's still the two pitch guy i i I don't know like you know again if you listen to the podcast I've been like almost trying to trade him away for a year plus because he's a huge left hander who you know reportedly 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 can get it up to ninety eight he hit ninety six of points today, but it's not. There's no spin. There's no not a lot of movement. So it's always the debate I've got into. Where sometimes we still see arbitrary values of like a 60 or 70 grade pitch just based on velocity. If it doesn't spin and it doesn't move, it does. If it's 100, it may not be as good as a 92 mile an hour pitch that really moves and spins. That's just the way of it. And you know Henkes 59 pitches from Henkes tonight. No swings and misses. Six called strikes with his curveball. That's all from Justin Lada, JL underscore baseball. It just wasn't. And that's, a you know, when you get right down to it, it's like I never had a wow moment when I watched him in the minors. I wanted to. He was a player that I think it was before his second arm surgery. I was like gearing up to consider him one of the top five prospects on the, the Indians. Came back. And as he moved up the ladder, it just he it was never he never popped. I saw him pitch a lot and. Often I would start to zone out. It was just very similar every single game. And I hate to run down a young player. Uh, I think I'd have to go look at my prospect rankings. I think I had him late teens, early 20s, because I do think there's still a relatively safe floor as a left-handed reliever for him with uh, the fastball, the curve, the slider. I just, I don't see it as a starter. I, I have to be honest. And I know it has been so much hype and so much praise uh, in spring training with him. And we'll have to see. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many a time before. But if he is just... He's not generating any miss with his fastball. Like, there's no... I'm trying to get the other bit of data. Just a 3.6% whiff rate on his fastball so far. Again, that's that's almost impossible to get that low on a fastball. Players are not fooled at all. And they should be. Like, if you're going to... There's not as much tape at this level. This is the time where teams often can look a little bit foolish, especially against a lefty when he's out there just because it's a new pitcher without, like, yeah, there is minor league tape, but there's not that major league tape. And you see guys sometimes step up and play well for a start or two. Uh, Maybe it's just we see that happen often because it's the Indians, and every pitcher plays well against them. But we're not seeing that so far with Henches. He's not not fooling anyone, and he's not... uh, overpowering enough to be successful when it's again 59 pitches not one swing and miss that's incredibly telling so we'll get back in a moment talk about this game a bit more talk about the hitting performances talk about the rest of the game itself rather than just focus on the bad umpiring and some pitching concerns when it comes to sponsors everyone knows i love built bar today i Put open the drawer at lunch. I ate my last two cookie dough bill bars and realized I'm out. I need to reorder. I need to re-up. And the reason I keep going back is I am someone who gets bored very easily with snack food. I will, I, I can think like back to the beginning of the quarantine, I bought like a huge thing of like individual bags of uh, salt and vinegar chips, a favorite of mine. And then I have not ordered them since. I get very bored, especially if I have something, a bunch of it, and then I'm just uh, tired of it. A year later, I'm still ordering Bilt Bar. It's still a integral part of my diet. It's what I do for lunch at work. It is quick. It's easy. It's a high-graded thing on my nutrition app. It's just a fantastic product. Check it out for yourself. That is at builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's right, LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your first order. I love Bilt Bar. You'll love it, too, if you try it. Remember, that is builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. Our other fantastic sponsor is Blue Nile. I've mentioned before, it's very easy to just go into your search bar and do Blue Nile 1010. They'll take you right to the website. I You don't have to worry about navigating or anything like that. And I'm going there. You can hear me clicking right now. And it's what I like is the profiles. <laughs> Maybe it's too much of me in baseball, but I appreciate the fact that each ring you can see and then there's a profile of the designers. Uh, you can... So it's it's not just a ring. You're getting a story. You're getting background. You're getting their profile. When you find one that you think is cool or interesting, uh, like I said, I think the Marla Aaron one is the one that I found the most striking. Uh, you can go check it out for yourself. It's Victorian and Georgian references. Uh, maybe it's the history major in me that made that one stand out. There's all sorts of cool things to check out. Remember, it's all rely, uh, responsibly sourced diamonds from Botswana, Over at Blue Nile 1010 Collection, go look, read the profiles, look at the rings, see if it fits and works for you. So let's talk about the offensive performances in this one. The offense has not been offensive of late. Can I be punny, uh, even when they're horrible puns? So, man, overusing the so's. Let's do the who reached base twice in this one. We had Loop do it, and his return, he has been out uh banged up for a bit Jose Ramirez did not he had to argue and fight to get his one single to count Fran did Harold Ramirez did Josh Naylor did and then yeah that's that is your list though the combination of Bowers and Chang did reach base twice between the two of them so Bowers had the home run his first of the year he's played better of late I know that's not what people want to hear uh, when the Indians released uh, Tyler Freeze and Mitch Reeves, I talked about how I thought it was really cruddy that people are just like 10 responses saying DFA Bowers. Uh, and it's not even that I feel that the need to be nicer to Bowers, if someone's underperforming, they're underperforming. Two players just had their careers likely end and their dreams crushed. Maybe not the place to say DFA Bowers, but to go back into the the game here, it's like he's had, a, you know, the performance has been upticking. He's... Overall OPS, he's now over 200 in hitting a 591 OPS. That's higher than Chang. That's higher than Ahmed Rosario. That's higher than uh, Jimenez at shortstop. It's higher than either of the catchers. Uh, it's it's not great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but he's he's improving in his role, and that role is to be a left-handed bat, be part of a platoon to hit right-handed pitching. And you're going to face more righties than lefties. So having, if he can continue to improve, there's a lot of value for him in, uh, for the Indians. We'll see. I'm not sitting here saying, he's going to turn into a regular. No, I'm not saying that at all. But it is nice to see any player trending upward. I do kind of wonder, as we talk about trending upwards or trending down, Jimenez at shortstop, with all of his struggles right now, and with the talk at the beginning of the year, The Indians might try to manipulate service time and have him spend some time in the minors to get an extra year of control with the way he's playing. And now it's getting to the point where he's not the everyday shortstop anymore, that Rosario is getting some opportunities. He's often at short or at center, and then he shifts to the other position. He's getting time in both roles. If we could end up seeing uh, Jimenez get sent down uh, with his struggles, and with just overall his um, lack of production and, I mean, even his defense has not been quite up to how it was in the previous year. So I'll be curious to see that. It was interesting for all the things that Luplo uh, has done this year. We know it's not sustainable when you look and see the 854 OPS and the 177 batting average. So this batting average is almost uh, in line with Jimenez's Again in this one the Luplo goes 0 for 2, but he has those two walks. He is walking and he's hitting for power. We talked about many times that he has been tied for the team lead in home runs. Currently isn't, but you know, he has put himself in that conversation repeatedly in the early going of the season. But let's get back to this game. Yes, Bowers had a his first home run of the year. That's good. Looplo, you know, two walks. At least he reached base twice. Franmil Reyes also had two walks in this one without a hit. I mean, the Indians had six walks. So Luplo and Franmil were four of those six with Chang and Hedges getting the other two. In addition, Josh Naylor uh, has another two for four game. He's now up to 273 batting average. Thought, nope, both singles. For some reason in my mind, I thought he had a double. The doubles were Cesar Hernandez and Harold Ramirez. Ramirez going two for four. Uh, he's hitting 444 in the early going that's over two games though a- again uh let's I-, I don't want anyone to quote graphic me on that one uh when it's been all of two games but he's been a nice addition he's doing what he does when things go well question is can he keep he's not going to keep this rate up but when he starts to come back to earth can he maintain a level of production that's about average? Or is it going to be kind of like Oscar Mercado? In some ways, they're similar, where they tend to be very streaky, uh, both in good and in bad. And that is why Mercado, along with confidence issues, has not really come up in the conversation for the Indians this year. And why Ramirez was let go by the Marlins, even though they had the second worst outfield in baseball all of last season. But Ramirez had the uh, broke the tie in this one. Bowers gave them the uh, the insurance runs. And a game that, honestly, they had no business winning. They When they were down early, I was like, okay, with what we know is going to happen pitching-wise, I'm not feeling good. And Mike Miner was cruising early on. And the fact that they came back and pulled this off is kind of a minor miracle. It is a second win for the Indians against the first-place Kansas City Royals. I they said Chiefs. Now this is a squad that had just dropped two or three from the Twins. We mentioned they had 16 wins heading into the series. Four of those came in a series against the Tigers, where they swept them. Three came in a three of four from the Blue Jays. So they had had a two big series that were the majority of their wins, which we talk about small sample size, and that's exactly why that essentially two good weekends was half of their win total. It's not to say that they're a bad team. They're a team that probably was a little overrated heading to this series, and you look over at it, Carlos Santana has been one of their best hitters all year. He went 0-5 for in this one. With this loss today, the Royals actually move into a tie for first place with the White Sox. The Indians only a game back, the Twins five games back, and the Tigers nine games back. It's been a brutal start for the Tigers so far in the early going of this season. I'll give my three stars in a moment here, but I also have to comment, I'm was decidedly surprised that Oliver Perez cleared waivers and will be outrighted to the minors. It's a nice extra arm to have. Uh, they're packed loaded on that 40-man. I don't know how they're going to add him. And I know he's old, but, man, he's still a lefty. He's been effective the last two years, but he you know, he didn't get a major league contract from anyone in the offseason, so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but I am. I feel like he could still be productive uh, for some team. How does the rest of this series shake out? Well, Shane Bieber versus Brady Singer. We'll look at the bet online lines later on in the show. It should be a clear advantage for the Indians. Tristan McKenzie, Danny Duffy, that's going to be a clear advantage for Kansas City. But at the end of the day, I think anyone would be happy with three out of four when it comes to the Cleveland Indians against this Kansas City Royals team after taking two out of three from the Sox. They're playing well for <laughs> all the complaints and all the issues. This has been a nice little stretch. Early on, small sample, but you know you have to enjoy the positives when they arise. and right now there is a lot of positives, positives, positives going on for the Cleveland Indians. Three stars in this one. Harold Ramirez for the big hits, uh, Bowers for the home run. and then I think I'm gonna give it to uh, Naylor for having two more hits in this one. Uh, going to all offensive edition for the three stars of the game for the Cleveland Indians. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back, and talk some minor league stats, some minor league performers, talk that Lynchburg roster. Minor league baseball started this evening. It's great to see. It's very exciting to see. More of that in a moment. Our sponsor uh, is, of course, Bet Online. I talked about it earlier in the show, teased it a bit. We'll talk about the Indians line here in a second. I was very tempted today to go over to Bet Online. I was listening to a podcast about football, I follow all the big sports. And the fact that the Houston Tech and Houston Texans, no, the Houston Texans, they are not a fighting game. They are a group of people from Texas. Uh, the Houston Texans had uh, four and a half wins was their line. I'm like, okay, go bet the under on that. How does anyone think that that is a team that's still going to manage to get to four and a half wins? Uh, that, that would be my one gambling recommendation. I know I'm a baseball guy, but that is one that stands out for me. Remember that when you do go over to BetOnline, you wanna use that promo code Locked On to get a 5050% bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 5050% bonus on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. Uh, the Indians don't have a line for tomorrow's game. I thought that could be the case. A few times where Shane Bieber means no line, but still go check out betonline.ag for yourself. Lots of great things. I mean, they have Korea, Japan, all sorts of places you can go uh, get your fix and go bet some money check out betonline.ag for yourself today so let's start with some performances today as i was kind of getting checked in i thought it was fun to see that Xavier curry made his uh, minor league debut (laughs) i think curry is all of like five foot ten very much the typical indians college pitcher out of georgia tech he did not pitch in his draft year and i never really got a full clarification on that one He had pitched a decent amount of innings. It could have been that. And then last year being wiped out his debut tonight, four innings of uh, no runs across. Two hits, a walk, struck out five. Nice debut for him with Lynchburg. He had a few players. uh, Was it Oscar Gonzalez, I believe I saw, with Akron? Had a walk-off win with a three-run shot. I mean, we could talk about a lot of player performances for Lynchburg in general. They put up uh, 16 runs in the first minor league game of the year for them. They were ready to go. I think there was like four or five home runs in that game. The The other side of things, uh, in terms of players who had a little bit of a harder debut, I think Hunter Gaddis stands out. I talked about him as one of those pitchers I kind of wanted to check out and see. Five runs given up, two walks, two hit batters, and no strikeouts through four innings. But it's just nice to sit back, look at the highlights, and be like, we have minor league baseball. We're getting a chance to see these young players play. And as I promised, I have the roster right here. Let's talk about Lynchburg. So as I look at the lineup, uh, and then I looked at performing today, playing, uh, Jan- Yener Diaz and Will Bartlett will likely be the catchers. There's been some debate with Bartlett. He was more of a first base possible catcher type when the Indians drafted him. Corey Holland was one of those pricier day three guys. Uh, Angel Martinez has been one of the international players that has gotten a lot of talk. John Ski Noel is a huge first baseman, uh, one of those guys who'd have to be 40 man added at the end of the year. Micah Pyers had a good game. He was a small school guy, put up some ridiculous numbers. Gabriel Rodriguez is another one of those international prospects who's in the teens on most lists, but is someone who could ri- rise higher. I guess he is probably going to play third base most nights when you have Angel Martinez, Jordis Valdez, and Christian Cairo. Now, I haven't talked about Cairo and Valdez. Valdez was a second-round pick two years ago. Uh, Cairo was a third- or fourth-rounder, both extremely highly paid players. Both really struggled their first year of pro ball. Valdez is likely utility type, great glove. I don't know if he's ever going to hit enough uh Cairo kind of similar and yes it is Miguel Cairo's son so when you're looking at this team I'm, I am curious about points how they're going to get enough of bats for people that is going to be something that's going to be interesting to see when you have and I didn't even talk about like Alex Frey uh Planes who I didn't talk about It's not player is going to be rule five eligible he's on the young side he's I believe this is his first time playing above Arizona I will say in my recent OOTP league, he turned into a solid, steady, like two and a half win player for a better part of a decade. So not that that has any impact at all, but hey, it, it could happen. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez is a guy that I really liked a few years ago. He was one of the youngest players in his draft class, one of those Indian specials, a third rounder, I want to say for him, and then pitching, uh, mentioned Xavion Curry, but where this one gets interesting is Josh Wolf from the Francisco Lindor trade, Lenny Torres, who is coming back from injury. I mean, some people like Tor. I would not be surprised if there are people out there when I say they like Torres, that they like Torres as the top pitcher in the Indian system. I know that's that's a strong statement to make, a very strong statement to make, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's someone out there who has that feel. There are people who absolutely adore Lenny Torres. No, I'm not that person. I think he's likely a reliever. He's still in like my mid-teens uh, for prospects. He's still a very good prospect. And I do have him higher than Josh Wolf, but when they traded for Josh Wolf, I was like, oh, that's the Indians type, quick arm, uh, two pitch, questionable third, and then maybe the biggest name down there, Daniel Espino, who, you know, might be the consensus top pitcher on a lot of people's list. And I understand, you know, I said, well, he, that Torres might be the top, but as Espino's higher. the high guy on most lists. Let's put it that way. Former first rounder, the guy who at one point in time I projected as a top 10 pick, similar to Ethan Hankins, big time velocity, big time slider. I thought he could be fast-tracked as a reliever. I'm still not convinced he can hold up as a starter. That's why I'm lower on him than many. It is a very unusual delivery and approach. Uh, It made a lot of people very hesitant, and that is why he slid to the Indians, who don't seem, it's interesting, for as big as they are on mechanics, for as big as they are on cleaning things up and being able to add velocity to, to pitchers, they don't get scared off by mechanics. They don't sit back and go, oh, he does this, this, and this. We're not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. That is not the Indians at all. Because Espino is one of those guys, I talked to a few scouts who are like, yeah, we're not putting him on our board. We're not going to pay. We view it as too big of a risk. So, you know, the Indians, not that team. He is there. And all three of those guys, Wolf, Torres, Espino, lightning quick arms. They all need that third pitch. Likeliness to start, I would say Espino, Torres, Wolf for me. Uh, biggest risks, I think, is Wolf, Torres, Espino. So the opposite. I'm not saying that uh, Wolf is necessarily safe, but I, I do have some big uh, concerns with Espino. Torres has already had one arm surgery at this point in time. We'll have to see. But those three arms, they're going to be worth the price of a mission alone uh, if you get a chance to make it to a Lynchburg game. And then quickly, talking about Arizona. Pitching-wise, I am not super familiar. It's a lot of kind of lesser draft picks uh, currently or international players. Hitting-wise, you got Petey Halpin and Isaiah Green. Green being the other player. Uh, the other prospect, I should say, from the Lindor trade and Halpin being drafted last year in that same class with Green, Jordan Brown, who they took, I want to say two years ago, very toolsy player, and then you got some of your older vets who are there for depth, like Cody Farhart or Ike Freeman, uh, Landy Pena. It's it's not as interesting. Carson Tucker, Milan Tolentino, who were picks a year ago, for me. Uh, Junior San Quentin is uh, another player who gets a lot of run. But this is – Arizona is far and away the least interesting uh, affiliate. It's just there isn't as much of a build up. They are pushing players up the system. We're seeing that there with the loss of the short season ball. There's a lot more talent on these teams. There's going to be almost like a rotation with players getting off days because they have so many infielders. I I mean, the Indians should change their name from the Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland infielders because that's what they are. They're just this infielder factory. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I always think back to Josh Donaldson when there was the belief that the Indians, you know, tried to acquire him when Oakland traded him and what did they want from Toronto? Why did Toronto submit the best package? Because Toronto had a shortstop and teams always want shortstops. Shortstops, I have said, are the quarterback of the MLB draft. They always rise. I currently have two in my top five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcelo Meyer and Jordan Lawler with uh, Khalil Watson in the top seven as well. Uh, They rise. They have extra value. Positional value means a lot, and shortstop is always what teams are looking for. So having a lot of shortstops hopefully can eventually allow this team to, A, move those players around to make the team better, and B, give them extremely valuable trade assets when it comes time to supplement and improve the team. You know, when they get ready to make the next Andrew Miller type of move, hopefully we'll see something like that soon. It may not be until they get, you know, another minority investor slash owner who's willing to, where they have that extra money to be able to add that type of salary. I don't know. That's that's always the shadow that kind of hangs around things right now is, the situation financially and not knowing exactly like I've talked about the 40 man to the point where this could be a drinking game out there for someone and and they wouldn't be alive right now and they have just all those very easy to trade assets all those players because they're going to be under such a crunch but could they afford to add salary like legitimately what's could they add someone who's making more than the minimum I don't know Uh, that's a question I'd love to here asked, and I know I have the ability to. Uh, you're like your media; you have the links. You could ask people questions. I I do, but I also don't have the connections to ask a specific question like that. Uh, asking someone like Tito, that would not really yield me any information. Uh, but that's that's what I wonder about. Like, if this team continues an upward trend, which is where we are right now, they're going to lose games. They're going to have a losing streak at some point. It's not going to be this continue. Uh, continuous winning every series. They just don't have the team for that. Uh, most teams don't. But for them with their current situation, if they can continue to play well, if they can continue to build and you're seeing there's reason for optimism and then they have that huge pool of prospects and if they wanted to do something like San Diego where they're trading from specifically those that Rule 5 pool of prospects because they are a bit overloaded with that uh, could they afford to add anyone making more than league minimum? I'm curious. Tell me what you think. Tell me you know, what you want to hear on the show as well. Uh, feedback always helps the show grow, helps me know what people want to hear, what they want to listen to. We'll do a mailbag soon. I have listed out my MLB draft picks. I might do that over the podcast as well, do kind of a quick top 30 rundown and explanation soon. You know, the draft is always just something I'm – really into it's something I'm paying a high amount of attention to and I have that information and frankly right now if I'm being honest it's like I end up watching more college games than pro games that's just how it's going to be during this the month of May that is my go-to at this time it's my last opportunity to see some players and I'm going to use those chances see college games watch the performers Uh, and it's just something I enjoy every May doing so I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked Ending News Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. Anything you can do that helps. If you could do one, the other, anything is fantastic. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm very curious to hear, is there anyone as we approach, I think I'm like at episode 480 something or other. Is there actually someone out there who's listened to every episode? Uh, Let me know. Again, I'm Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe. And and if not Tribe, again, maybe go infielders.